0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. So get in a group, guys. It's one of the most important things we do here. Amen, everybody? All right, well, let's jump into what we're doing. We're in this brand new series called Winning the War for Your Mind. Today's gonna to be a foundational message for the rest of the messages that are to come. We're gonna be here in the next four weeks, but I have to tell you that that I have a lot of thought battles. Like, I, I don't know about you. Uh, before I get on, on stage, I have thoughts like, you know, people aren't going to like you. People aren't going to like your tattoos. And so they're going to reject you because they're looking for something a little more spiritual. They're not going to like your, your beard. They're gonna like, not going to like the way you talk. They're not going to like the, that your temple is more of a mansion than it is a small house. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not going to like how i say things they're not going to laugh at my jokes they're not going to they're they're going to reject me they're they're not going to accept me that everything i'm doing is all for nothing and uh, i get the questions of who do you think you are and you know you've got issues too and all just sitting right there there's a war raging in my mind anybody relate yeah. i mean you may not be standing up in front of a room of people but before you go on the job or before you you have that conversation there is a war In our minds. And I battle between thoughts of faith, where I believe God can do anything, and fear, where I am terrified that the worst is gonna happen. Anybody else relate to that? Like, we wanna believe, we read God's word, we get pumped up, and today I'm doing great, but tomorrow, for whatever reason, I wake up and I've got fear. I I I can't explain it. I want to trust God with the issues in my life. But I also want to control all the issues. And how many of y'all know that you cannot trust God and have control at the same time? It's either Jesus take the wheel or you keep the wheel. And I don't like when I drive the car. I'm just saying, between me and Jesus, he's a better driver. I'm just saying, for real. And so I, I, I struggle between that. I want to trust, but I also want control. I want to have confidence that God has called me to do this, but I also struggle with this crippling feeling within me that, that, that paralyzes me because I feel insecure about you. I want, to, I want you to like me. I'm a people pleaser. I, I believe that or not, I want you to like me. You look good my view. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate (laughs) you. Man. Our minds are battlefields, though, aren't they? That's where the war is fought. It's really not anything external. In fact, if you're taking notes today, and I encourage you to take notes. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and take notes. You can use the connect cards that are in the seat in front of you if you didn't bring something to take notes. Write this down. Most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. Most of life's battles are lost or won in your mind. It's really neat because scripture bears that out, but you know what? Neuroscience is now bearing that out as well. They both agree with that particular statement that your battles will be won or lost right here first. And there's good news for us as believers. There's good news because we don't have to fight this battle alone. We have God's power, not just his help, but God's power that will transform us as we learn to submit to a process called renewing our minds. It's as simple as that. Today we're going to start this series, and what we're going to do is we're really going to get into the mind of the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. That's the second half of your Bible. And Paul was... Uh, what what uh, would be known as an, the ultimate thought warrior, you know what I'm saying? Back in the day, I used to watch WWF wrestling. Now it's WWE wrestling. But there was this guy called the ultimate warrior. Is anybody like an old school wrestling watcher, right? And that guy, he was insane, man. That guy would come running and he'd grab the ropes. And he's doing this stuff, man. It was, I would be like exhausted, Running from the back all the way out to the, to the ring. I'd be like, that's it. I'm done. I'm tapping out right here. Just pin me. Uh, but this guy's just going nuts long before the battle even begins. And Paul's the ultimate thought warrior because he becomes a follower of Christ, and then he submits to a process that goes on for some years before he even begins ministry. And what he learns is, is that, that he needs Jesus to renew his mind over time. In fact, in Romans 7, Paul talks about his struggle. He said, There's a whole bunch of stuff, there's good stuff that I want to do, and I don't do it. And all the stuff that I don't want to do, the stuff that I'm resistant to, that's the stuff that I wind up doing. And he's like, that battle all begins and ends in his in my mind. And so, so Paul he battled, he wrestled, and then he learned how to war properly. And he wound up winning the war for his mind. And here's what he learned in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. He said, for though we live in the world, so he's acknowledging we're all human. We've all got to walk here. We're physically here present. He said, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. In other words, it's not about what's here in this earth. It's not about what's going on with you. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about your job. It's not about how much money or is or isn't in your pocketbook. It's not about that. He said, we don't wage war as the world does. We don't don't need guns. We don't need tanks. We don't need bombs. That's not how we're waging war. As Christ followers, the weapons we fight with, he says, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Everybody say power. Power. To demolish strongholds. Now, that word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. Okay? It's explosive power. God's power added to what we're doing. Hey, that's what we're going to fight with. It's explosive power, and it will demolish strongholds. Now, that word stronghold is the word akurama, and it means like a military stronghold. Now, military stronghold, if you've ever seen any of these, are usually built at, at the highest point in the middle of a city, right? And they have usually fortified walls, some like 20 feet thick. And there's, there's a place in the middle of this fortress that is this stronghold that usually the, uh, the leaders or uh, special prisoners of war were kept so that the enemy could not get to them. That you may take out a few of our archers and a few of our walls, but you're not getting in here. And so I, I imagine, uh, because I'm a nerd, and I imagine uh, that, yes, I'm a nerd. I'm hoping that, this is, that this, you can relate to this or understand this example because it was such a big movie. But Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Yes. They, okay, so there's one nerd. Thank you. Um, <laughs> appreciate you. <ya. laughs> the the people were run out of their city in Rohan and they fled to the stronghold of Helm's Deep. And and they were very confident, the enemy, they said nobody has ever breached the walls of the the deepening walls of Helm's Deep. They were confident of that. But what got through those walls? It was something explosive. It was dynamite. And one of the characters runs the, the dynamite into the wall and the other one lights it on fire and boom, the enemy breaches that wall. And Paul says that's the power we have, that there is a stronghold. The enemy builds a stronghold in our lives, and God's power will destroy that stronghold so that we can defeat that lie in our life. Because ultimately, the enemy wants to take up residence in our lives to cause us to believe lies so that he can keep us from experiencing God's best for us. That's what he's after. So how does he do that? Well, he shapes your thinking. It's simple. Listen, if the devil showed up in a red, you know, red suit and horns and a pitchfork, you'd know that's the devil. But that's not how he looks, is it? No, the, the, the Bible describes him as an angel of light. He shows up and he is soft, he is gentle, he is subtle. And the way that he approaches you, and the way that he approaches is just simple thoughts. Simple thoughts that maybe you hear in a song that you like, man, this has got a really great beat. But you ever start listening to the words and you're like, my goodness, what, what, what am I singing right now? <coughs> we get a thought that creeps into our mind. John, can I have one of those bottles of water right there? Thanks, buddy. We get a thought that starts to creep into our mind, maybe from a comedian we've listened to, or maybe from, from, uh, from a movie. Thanks, John. Everybody tell John thanks. He's just thanks, John. <laughs> it's like I'm at an AA meeting. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm the lead pastor. I'm... A... <laughs> I don't know what we were doing, what we were doing. Oh, the enemy shapes you, you. yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna respond to that. Uh, The enemy shapes you thinking one thought at a time. That's what he does. It's subtle, subtle stuff that you pick up and you start believing a lie. And what happens is, is that just like a stronghold, brick upon brick gets laid, subtle thought after subtle thought gets laid, lie after lie gets laid, and then the enemy all of a sudden, has a stronghold. You are in a prison of lies. You start to believe, well, I can't trust people. People, people lie. I can't trust people. Or I'm never going to be able to succeed. Or I'm always going to be broke. My family has been broke for generations. I'm never going to be able to step out of that, that cycle of poverty. Or I'm never going to have a marriage. This is how I am. This is how she is. We are always going to be this way. We are set in our ways. Or, or we start believing that God doesn't hear our prayers. And if we believe God doesn't hear our prayers, well, then why would we pray? Or if we believe God doesn't care, then then why would we approach him? Why would we spend time pursuing a relationship with him? Or we come to believe that I'll never be able to make a difference. And and if you believe that, why would you ever try? Why would you ever join a team? Or you believe, well, I amount to nothing. I'm of no consequence to anybody. And that's how the enemy builds strongholds, one thought at a time. So what do we do? How do we battle in our minds? Well, Paul answers that question in verse 5. He said, we demolish arguments and every pretension. You know what an argument is, right? It's just another side of the story. The enemy's got some arguments against God's truth. See, when, when, when God says he loves you, the enemy says he doesn't, right? There's an argument that is happening. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take captive every thought. Say, every thought, Aaron? Every thought. To make it obedient to Christ. See, that sounds a lot harder than, than anything I want to participate in. Every thought, Aaron? Do you know how many thoughts a day that I have? Let me tell you something. It is a process, but it's a journey that I promise you that if you'll begin, you'll find your your brain will begin to... Uh, automate it and make it easy for you. Let me help you understand. Because see, here's the thing. I've always been fascinated with how the mind works. Loved it. In fact, since I was uh, 16 years old, I've been a a student of human behavior because I'm a magician, right? I like to do sleight of hand tricks and I like to fool people. And in order to fool someone, you have to know the truth in order to get them to believe a lie, right? Right? And so you need to understand how people's minds work. You need to understand what they're going to go to, human nature and, and people's tendencies. And so I've I studied people. I understand people's minds. I understand their proclivity towards a certain thing. And then year, fast forward years later from a clinical aspect, you know, I, I've been in intensive therapy. I've been an ongoing. I see a therapist and you're like, oh, relax, we all need to be in therapy of some sort. I'm just telling you. See, some of you are like, well, that's just it. I'm not coming back to this church. I'm just done. Heathen therapy? Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? I I didn't have a perfect childhood, and neither did you. Well, it's okay. Judge my life all you want to. You don't know it. Thank you. But I began a mental health journey three years ago, doing, it started with intensive therapy that literally saved my life. And that has transformed my life since then. Now, now I've, I've done a lot of self-evaluating. I've done a lot of, of, of reading a lot of different books that my therapists have recommended. I've gone through trainings. And I've been a pastor for 10 years, and I'm gonna tell you something that is absolutely true, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Amen. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. It's true. What we tend to think about Comes out in our lives. That's just the way it happens. Science agrees with that. And I love this, the Bible agrees with that because that's the most important thing. In fact, if you were to study cognitive behavioral psychology, it shows us that the wrong thought processes can cause relational challenges, it can cause marital stress, it can cause eating disorders, it can cause addictions and some forms of anxiety. This it is the direct result of toxic thinking. That's what science says. Now, God's word says in Proverbs 23 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, guys. The way that you think determines who you become. So, if you're in your life and you think that you can't, you probably can't. If you think that you will, you probably will. If you dwell on your problems, then your problems are going to overwhelm you. If you sit and and are looking for solutions, you're a problem solver. I've got an issue, and I need to vanilla ice it and solve it. Then guess what? You're going to solve it. If you constantly feel like a victim, guess what? You're going to become one. If you believe that you can overcome whatever that might be, guess what? You can the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. So here's what I want to do today. I want to pause, and I want to help you take some inventory, okay? I want to help you. I want to give you a, what is a, a, a thought audit, I guess, to help you understand where you are. Because you need to know where you're at right now in order to get where you want to be. Amen, everybody? And that requires some self-reflection. So I'm going to invite you all to play along. And, and here's, here's what I want to show you. It's a scale of 1 to 10. And how would you say you start your day every day? Let's throw that up there. Are you worried or are you peaceful? Worried is I start my day worried. I'm, I'm on that far end. I wake up every day and I'm worried about what people think of me. I'm worried about my financial situation. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about, about what's going on in politics. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my job. I'm just stressed out. Are you, when you wake up every day, do you wake up worried? Or would you say you're somebody That is on the peaceful side of things, that you're you're closer to that 10, that you wake up secure in God's promises. This doesn't mean that everything is going right. It just means that in the face of all of it, you have peace and you have trust that God's gonna handle things. You do what you can do, God's gonna do what he can do. So so where are you at in that? Just just take note. Maybe write a number down if you're taking notes today. Where are you at on that scale? Or or maybe it's this one. Maybe you wake up every day and, and you've got negative thoughts that rule your life. Or, or maybe it's, it's the positive end of things. Like, like maybe a prayer that, that, you, that you, you, uh, you have is, if you're on the negative side, is, dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, or nasty to anybody, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But God, I'm about to get out of bed and I'm going to need your help with the rest of my day. <laughs> Maybe you're just preparing for it, right? You start out your day thinking. You're, you're critical of yourself. You're critical of others. You assume the worst is going to happen today. That means that you are discontent with your life. You're hard on yourself. And maybe maybe uh, you find that, that, that this is just too much for you. You start out on the negative side. Or maybe you start out on the positive side. You believe the best about, best about people. You believe that life is good. You're optimistic, right? You, you have, you, your, your mind is... is clear because you're in a positive state. Or maybe, maybe you, you would say that um, on a scale of one to ten, maybe you're on the worldly side, or maybe you're on the eternal side, that your focus is, is about here on this earth, about what's going on here, or, or your focus is, is on what's going on then and there. If you're worldly, you wake up consumed with this life. You're materialistic. It, you're, it's all about your stuff, It's all about whether people like you, whether people are following you on Instagram. If you've got an eternal mindset, then then you realize, man, I've been given gifts. And the gifts that I've been given are not just for me to enjoy. They are for me to reach people that are far from God. That the job that I have or the calling that God has given you, those are both from him, and I can walk in those things confidently because I know that even on the job even though it may not be a full-time ministry position that I am still a minister of the gospel on the job and I can love people and introduce them to Jesus and we live lives of generosity why because we're thinking about the the eternal instead of what's worldly what characterizes your thoughts these things matter friends they absolutely matter So what comes into your mind, what dominates it, will come out in your life no matter what. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, no matter who you know, no matter what you buy or where you live or where you travel, you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. It's just not possible. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And if that's true, my question is, are you excited about the direction that your life is going? If you're not, we need to change your thoughts. We simply need to change your thoughts. For me, I certainly wasn't. In 2019, when I began this mental health journey, began to understand the power of my thoughts, my thoughts were leading me to end my life or walk away from my family and my ministry and everything. That was just a few years ago, folks. I wasn't happy with that. I knew that I, something within me needed to change. One of the biggest things in me that needed to change was that I needed to surrender control and trust God. You say, but you're a pastor of this church. You struggle with that? Yeah. Yeah, you better believe I struggle with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm not perfect at all. I'm not perfect at keeping my mind right. It is a war. It is a struggle. But I'm aware of my thinking. I have space for my thinking. I have decluttered my life to a point where I am able to, understand, to to hear my own thoughts again and to be aware of them again. Some of us have just got to declutter your life. You need to get off that social media. You need to mute all those notifications. You need to, to cut some stuff out of your busy schedule and you need to limit your intake of Netflix and TikTok. Hello? Hello. <laughs> That's not my notes. That was just free for you. But we can do the work so that we can begin to hear our thoughts and be aware of them. Again, that that we can work on it daily, and we can work on it moment by moment, renewing our mind and killing the lies. That's what this series is all about, and that's what we're going to go the next four weeks to understand how to renew our minds to replace the lies with the truth. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks is win this war for our minds together. Amen, everybody? We're going to do it. Now, you're not going to do it just because you were present today. Better take notes so you know how to do it when you leave here today. Because there's two things I'm gonna give you today, two ways that you can win the war for your mind. And here here it goes, two foundational thoughts. Here's the first how. Identify the biggest stronghold, or the biggest stronghold holding you back. You don't have to identify all of them. Some of you like, I got like 75. (laughs) Listen, well, let's just start with the biggest one, okay? What is the biggest one holding you back? Is it that you believe you're not good enough? That your past is too bad. Is it trust issues? Is it that you believe you're you're always gonna battle an addiction, whether that's an addiction with drugs, addiction with food, addiction to pornography, addiction to shopping, addiction to TikTok, whatever, social media, likes, comments. What what is it you're addicted to? Oh, I'm always gonna battle this addiction. or "I'm, I'm not good with money. What is the stronghold that you have in your life? Or I can't get close to God. Well, I'm never going to love a job that I'm working, so I'm always just going to be miserable, or all my relationships break down, or all I date is psychopaths, and that's all I can do. So, <laughs> what, what lie? What is the biggest stronghold that is holding you back? You need to identify those negative thoughts, because those negative thoughts, every time you think them, is changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Let, let, me, let, me, let me get into this, because see, every single thought you have changes your neurochemical, the neurochemical parts of your body. Do you know that? Your brain, if you have a positive thought, your brain gets a surge of a very safe and very legal drug. Do you know what it's called? Dopamine. Yeah, it's good one. Your brain likes it so much that your brain will will try to get you to recreate environments and places and spaces and experiences that you have been in where you have experienced a lot of dopamine. Listen, I'm telling you, this is why pornography is so addictive. This is why video games are so addictive because we get all these rewards in the video games and it feels really good when we, achievement unlocked. like, yes, I did something with myself even though we didn't really We get these hits of dopamine, TV shows and movies, dopamine, dopamine. Man, we get excited. But we also get excited when we have certain thoughts. Somebody comments on a picture that we post and tells us that we're beautiful. Dopamine, right? We get a hit. Somebody says, like your hair, dopamine. My wife texted me, baby, I've been thinking about you all day. Come on home. Dopamine. (laughs) Woo! call me. Chipotle for dinner? Dopamine. Chick-fil-A on Sunday? Dopamine. Never going to happen. It's a positive surge that gets released in your brain. Science says that if you think that thought often, it gets easier to think that thought over and over again. That's what happens. How does that work? It's something called neuroplasticity. It's that, 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 that we believe, falsely and wrongly, that people can't change. No, no, people can change. But th- their thoughts have to change first. That, that your actions, your behaviors, remember the direction your life is moving, is predicated on your strongest thoughts. So, so if we change the way we think, we can change the way we behave. We can change the direction of our lives. Change your thinking. Change your life. Because you've got these neural pathways in your brain. There are these billions of pathways, these roads that are in your brain, and, and, and a thought travels those pathways, and the more often you think that thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. In fact, the more you think it, the more it becomes default. Your brain likes to automate things, and a thought just be, it becomes an automated thought, you did not have to think about it. When I was deep in my addiction, when my wife left, there was no thought about what I was going to do with my time. My brain already knew that I was going to immediately go to a computer and access content I didn't need to be looking at. It was an automated thought because I had returned to it over and over and over and over again. How about you? What are the thoughts that are just automated? the critical voices that you hear, the lies that are just constant because you've told them to yourself so many times you now believe them as truth. And they're just automated. You don't even have to work at it. You're like, I don't even understand it. It's just there. It's just present. We get stuck in a rut, literally, because you've, your brain, you've walked that path. That thought has gone. You've thought it so many times that it's created a neural pathway in your brain. It's created a rut. For example... When I was a kid, I had to walk to my bus stop, and it was a 15-minute walk, or seven minutes, if I cut through some houses in the neighborhood. We decided to do that. We found some houses that didn't have a fence. Then every day, I'd walk to that part of the street, I'd I'd look around, and then I'd make a beeline through that neighbor's yard, I didn't know them, they weren't my neighbor, I'd go through their yard, and then I threw their bushes, and then through the next yard, and I'd come right out in front of my bus stop. I like shortcuts. Anybody else like shortcuts? Amen. But you know what happened over time to that person's yard, to both of their yards? Every day I walked that path. You know what happened to the grass? It got trampled, and eventually it became a very clear dirt path that I was walking every single day. They didn't like that, and I got caught, and I got yelled at. The bushes were separated from where I'd walked through. That's what's happening in your brain. Every time you think a thought, you're creating a pathway that, you, that your thoughts can travel down, and it gets easier and easier to do it over time. So if you stay off that path, though, what happens? Just like in, my, in, that, in that person's yard, if I stop walking, what happens? Well, it grows back. Grass grows back. It stops becoming a pathway. You go a different direction. You walk different. You renew your mind. You begin to think differently. And you have these new neural pathways that begin to develop. Paul simply said it this way in Romans twelve two. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't, don't, don't do things like everybody else does. Don't think like everybody else does. He, he says, but be transformed by going to church on Sunday morning and taking notes. Nope. By the renewing of your mind. He said, then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of y'all want that in your life? Say, so give me some of that, please. I want it. But you've got to stay off the negative paths of thinking and choose positive pathways. In other words, when you come home and it's been a hard day at work, maybe your, your automated pathway is when you come in the house and there's chaos everywhere because the kids are going nuts and, 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 and instead of instead of being somebody loving you you tend to when it's been a hard day at work you come in and you add more chaos to the house yes i saw it right there ah! and you yell and you upset everybody in the house you destroy every relationship in your pathway like a hurricane does and instead instead you can do something we call here press pause You press pause and you walk in, this is not how I want to show up. I'm going to press pause. I'm going to take a moment. Maybe you got to stand. I knew people that will stand on their front porch, remove their work boots, and when they do, they are mentally taking off all the cares and worries of that day and leaving them right there so that they don't take them into the house. They press pause. They get their minds right so that they can go inside and get a hug and get a kiss and behave in a different way. Maybe even take a moment to pray and ask God to help them to have their minds right. Or or maybe if you've got a day where you feel bad about yourself, and maybe your immediate response when you're feeling low is to to walk the pathway to the refrigerator and down the whole pint of Ben and Jerry's. And instead, you can make a different pathway. When you're feeling low, you're feeling down, there's something else you can do. Maybe you need to take a nap. Maybe you need to go for a walk. Maybe you need to pick up a phone and call a friend. There are healthier things to do with your time, In your life you're bored so we just pick up our phones and we scroll through Instagram we wind up just experiencing feelings of jealousy maybe feeling less than because somebody else got more comments and likes or somebody looks better than you do on their their Instagram and start to feel like a loser instead how about get into relationship with someone how about look at the relationships you've got around you How, how about get out and go do something nice for somebody right? Get on a different path. Don't stick to what the world is doing. Put something different in your brain to think a different way. And to think a different way, you've got to forge a new path in your brain. You've got to decide, I'm going to walk this direction. And the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to walk that path. The more you stay off that old path, the more that 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 thought pattern or how easy it is to think those old ways, it weakens, it becomes easier and easier to think more positively. It's harder to think negatively. You start to, you start to think negative and you start to feel that. And you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't like that. What is going on? Oh, I've got a lie. I've got some old ways here that I've adopted, that I've introduced again. So the first part of today's assignment is to identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back. Not all of them, just one. Maybe you believe you're not lovable, you're never going to be good enough, or that you don't deserve anything good, you're always going to be broke, there are the haves and the have-nots, and you're always going to be part of the have-nots. Maybe you believe that you're always going to be helpless, or you feel that hopelessness or worthlessness or pointlessness to your life. What is the lie? The biggest stronghold that has been holding you back, because you can't defeat what you won't define. That's so good, I'll say it again. You can't defeat what you won't define. You got to name it got to name it. The second part of that assignment is to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Remember I talked about God's power that he adds to it. There is power that God wants to give you, but it's found in his word. Jesus in John 8:32 it says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is talking about knowing him. You'll know him. You know what God said. He is the word. But if you don't know the truth Then that lie that you already believe, that lie that you've you've identified, if you don't know the truth, to replace that lie, that lie is going to remain in your life and you're going to remain in bondage. So if you want to be free, the truth is what you need because the truth will set you free. I'm going to ask my buddy Ryan to come up here. I want to show you something. Come on up here, Ryan. Now, Ryan and I pregame this a little bit, but I want to show you the power of your mind. Ryan, if you mind holding your hand out for me, please. Ryan is a huge fan of chocolate chip cookies, not just chocolate chip cookies, like the, the thicker chocolate chip cookies, the soft chocolate chip cookies. He really likes those, right? So Ryan, I'm going to give you the exact kind of cookie that you like. Now I asked Ryan before he came out here today, I said, Ryan, what would, what would make you really want to have that cookie? Like on a scale of one to 10? And He said, well, right now I'm about a six. I said, what would make you really want it? I said, he said, well, if you warmed it up, I'd, I'd want it a little more. So, Ryan, this is, this is one of those thick chocolate chip cookies. It's warm, fresh out of the oven. And I said, Ryan, what would make you want it even more? He said, could you just put a scoop of vanilla bean, just one on oh, it? Oh, so, it's a scoop of vanilla bean ice cream is now on top of this thing. Ryan, wh- where are you at on a scale of 1 to 10? 10, 10 being, i got to have this cookie right now and, and one like I could care less. I'm eating it. You're eating it. Okay. Right, well, don't just hold on to it right there for me a second. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, I'm going to add a few ingredients to that. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for your for compliance there. I appreciate that. Uh, the first thing I'm going to add is a few of my underarm hairs. Just a couple. It's not a lot. No, 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 no. I'm just going to, you'll see them. So if you need to, uh, you'll, they're just on top, but what I'm just going to kind of mix them into the, the vanilla bean. And then Ryan, I'm going to take a few rat droppings and I'm just going to drop. It's like sprinkles, everybody. It's right. chocolate sprinkles. Okay. But, but they definitely are rat droppings. Where, on a scale of one to 10, where are you at on that cookie?
1: Sharing is caring.
0: <laughs> no, seriously, where are where you at? Are you? That's a knot. That, but, but where on that scale? Is at a one? It's at a one. Uh-huh. Let's see if we can go further. Let's see if we can get him even further. Ryan, what if I took some pre chewed cottage cheese and just <laughs> added it to the top there? And then I took some bits of tuna. These might, they're pretty old. They stink. They've been sitting out for a bit. And I'm just going to slide them in there as well. And then for good measure, I'm just going to put some of some of the, the liquid from a pot pie, some of the juices. I'm just going to pour. I'm just, well, I need you to watch right over here. I'm just going to pour that on top of that. Now I asked Ryan some of the things that have made him sick in the past, and these are the three things he told me.
1: This is my friend, everybody.
0: Yeah. So Ryan, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put the cookie. Oh, no, no, no. no hold it right here. Just below your nose. Now, I want you to just take a sniff of that for me, please. Just imagine that cookie. It's covered with the vanilla bean, but it's got my armpit hairs and the rat poison, and it's got that cottage cheese and the tuna and, and then some pot pie. Now, just give it a good sniff for me, if you don't mind. No. Nah. Hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, and maybe even in the negative numbers, where are you at now, Ryan? It's
1: negative 100. Negative 100.
0: <laughs> Ryan, can you, can you take that cookie? And I just want you to take a bite of it for me, please. Just imagining the warmth of that cookie, but all the things that are on that. Can you just, do you mind just taking a bite? No, it's warm. No, I just need you to, here, just, I'll feed it to you. Just, 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 just take a bite. Just take a bite. Come on. Don't chew it. Don't, don't, don't chew it. Just hold it in your mouth, okay? I want you to feel, the, the vanilla is now melting. The hair is now tickling your throat a little bit. All right. <laughs> shake it off, shake it off. They're, thank you so much. Everybody give him a round of applause. Thank you. So, so what just happened? Other than Ryan's got to go puke. Abuse, <laughs> Abuse, he said. <laughs> Trauma and abuse. Uh, th- those, he's never going to eat a, a cookie again. <laughs> That's for darn sure. Uh, no, no, what just happened? Ryan, the, the brain's a really powerful thing. This is an imaginary cookie imaginary. And it's causing him to have a physical response to an imaginary thing. This is how powerful our brains are. Our brains don't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. This is why we have to identify the lies. And then we have to defeat the stronghold with the truth. What is the truth about this situation? There's no cookie. There's no cookie. That's the truth in this situation. What's the truth in your situation? Some of you live your life from a position of a lie that you believed, and you are a prisoner of it. And you need to know, and you need to accept the truth, because if you accept that truth, the truth will set you free. Thank God, God, he said. (laughs) Now, if you're looking for the truth, you need to understand that Jesus is the truth, and he came to set you free. So here's what we do with the lies of our life. Here's how we replace it with the truth. Paul said in verse 5, he continues on, he said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to identify the strongholds. We have to name them. Because you cannot defeat what you cannot define. Now the Greek word here uh, for that take captive is a war, war term. It's to capture it with a spear or with a sword. And when you think about, Paul talks about the war that we're waging. He talks about putting on the armor of God. Every single thing that he names, from the helmet, the breastplate, the, the, uh, uh, the loins, the girding of the loins, and the, and the girding of the, of the feet, all of these things are defensive things that we, that we have. But there's one thing in that arsenal that is a weapon, and it's the sword of the spirit. Do you know what the word sword of the spirit is? It is God's word. God's word is the truth, everybody. And it is what we use to battle the lies of the enemy. So, what is the dominant lie that the enemy has used to destroy your faith, to kill your relationships, and to rob you of intimacy with God? For me, mine regularly is is I'm not enough. That's, That's a lie I have to battle. Is that I'm just inadequate. And and this is a lie that has been reinforced over my life. As a son, I've never felt enough, felt, felt like I was enough to have either of my father's attention. As, a, as an athlete, I tried to be an athlete in high school. You know, I played soccer with the rest of the kids. But when it came time to be ice in high school, I was laughed at and mocked. I'm not a really good athlete by any means. And, I'm more klutzy than I am disciplined and able to play, but I wanted to be out there with them. I wasn't enough. I was laughed off the basketball court. I was laughed at on the soccer field. I felt not enough as a friend when people left my life for reasons I can't understand. Whether it's true that I wasn't enough or not, it's how I felt. Not enough as a minister. When I was 16 and I knew that God had called me to ministry, I tried to get on a path to do that, and my pastor at the time removed me. And whether he said it or not, it's certainly how I felt that I wasn't enough. As a father, I have many failures that, as an immature father, that continue to fly in my face. And I feel terrible for the things that were said or things that were done. And I've certainly felt not enough as a dad. Felt not enough as a husband. My first spouse cheated on me. And so I carried that into my next relationship. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. As a pastor, as a leader, I feel those those lies. I feel the weight of them. Not enough. What about you? What lie has continued to emerge throughout your life that has tried to keep you bound and keep you back from experiencing God's best for your life. Me mine was I'm never gonna be enough. And you know what? There's actually some truth in it. I am not enough. Not on my own. I'm not. Hmm. But there's a power in me that's more than enough. There's a power in you if you're a Christ follower. That's more than enough. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.3. He said, his divine power has given us everything, everything that we need for a godly life. God has given me everything I need to live. He's given me every bit of power. He's given me the patience. He's given me time, energy, wisdom, people around me to love me, resources. You know, scripturally, it bears out one. The Bible says that when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect. <laughs> when I've lost hope, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He brings dead things back to life, dreams, hopes, visions that I've had, hopes for my marriage, hopes for my kids, hopes for my health, hopes for a community things that that we've just believed and have accepted, I'll never be, will never have, it'll never look like, God brings those things back to life by his power. When I am tempted and feel overwhelmed by the enemy, he's faithful and makes a way for me to escape that temptation. When I'm afraid, I understand that that fear is not from him because he's given me a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. When I'm insecure, I know that I can trust him. You know why? His track record is he's been 100% faithful. He's never failed me. Ask me if, he, if he'll fail me. He won't. I saw a worship leader over there. He won't. I love that song. He won't. He won't. He's never failed. He won't. He can't. <laughs> when I've messed up and I feel the enemy showing up at my door, told you, you're a thinner can't stand up there. Can't tell people about Jesus. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I have grace, mercies that are new every morning. I couldn't exhaust them if I wanted to. And Jesus paid for my sin on the cross. My sin yesterday, my sin today, my sin tomorrow. It's already taken care of. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness, my friends. Again, John eight thirty two. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's where we need to be. We need to embrace the truth. We need to open the door to God's truth in our lives. And when we do, we truly will be free. That belief that you have, you can't do that thing, you can do all things through Christ. You absolutely can. You say, well, I, I don't feel attractive. I don't look like the, rest of the way the rest of the world looks. Let me tell you something. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Hmm. I'll always be miserable. I'll always be depressed. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength, and you can know that, and you can have that. So I always feel alone. Well, my God is with me. He'll never leave me He'll never forsake me. I say, well, I'm, I'm, I've been defeated. The Bible says you're more than an overcomer if you're in Christ Jesus. He says, don't fear the world. I've already overcome it. <laughs> you're not who the enemy says you are. The Bible says you are the head and not the tail. See, the enemy wants to talk to you and he calls you out by your sin, but God calls you by your name. You can know the truth, and and he, if you know him, he's the truth. He will set you free. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, my friends. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. You can't have a positive life if you've got a negative mind. So let's capture the lies, guys. Let's capture the lies. And replace each and every single one of them with truth. Start with one. Begin the work this week with one. And as you replace the lie, and your mind begins to automate that, and it becomes easier and easier for you to begin to believe that and walk that out and you experience freedom in it, address another lie. And go through the process again. Trust the process. The Bible calls this us being transformed from glory to glory, becoming more like Christ every day. You can have that. You don't need to stay locked in the prison because Jesus hold the key, holds all the keys and he's already set you free. Let's pray. Father, I'm aware that, that uh, sometimes we don't know the lies that we believed, and so my prayer today and all week through this message and for these people has been the Lord, you would help us to see the lies we are believing, to identify them, to write them down, to get serious about it. And understanding that this is just a process in our mind. Our brain, have we believed this for so long, our brain just keeps repeating it. It's on auto-repeat. And all we've got to do is pattern interrupt it with the truth. Nah, no, that's not the truth. The truth is this. But Lord, we, we need to know the lie, and we also need to know the truth. So as we, as we identify the lie, help us to identify that truth. Hel- help us to identify your truth that is found in your word. And God, as we identify that truth, I pray that you would give us the day-to-day, the moment-by-moment awareness we need that we are believing that lie and that we speak truth. We choose it to replace that lie. Help us, God, this week. Help us to win the war for our minds. And As we continue to pray in this room, all across this room, every head bowed every eye closed, some of you walked in with some lies on you today. You walked in believing that you weren't good enough to have a relationship with God. You walked in believing that God's mad at you, that he hates you, that if you were to ever step foot in a church that a lightning bolt would hit you. Well, a lightning bolt didn't hit you. But maybe you still believe God's mad at you, that he's angry, he's waiting to smite you. That couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, the Bible says that God so loved you. He's so love. He is brimming over with love. And it's not because he has love. It's because he is love. He cannot be anything outside of his nature. He loves you. To describe it to you this way, I think if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be hanging on that refrigerator. He loves you that much. He loves you so much that he paid a nasty price. He paid a difficult price that I guarantee you none of us whatever pay for our fellow man he gave his son jesus to be brutally murdered to pay a price on a cross he lived a perfect life here on this earth and he gave himself as a ransom for all of us he paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven so that we could be adopted into this spiritual family we could be free And today if you're ready to know Jesus, if you're ready to accept the sacrifice he made, let's end the lies that you have to be perfect. You don't. Jesus makes us perfect. He makes us white as snow, the Bible says. He washes our sins away. And unfortunately because we are imperfect people, we're going to sin every day. But you know what? Jesus' sacrifice is enough for us that every single day, we are forgiven when we ask for it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to change who you are to be in a relationship with him. He will transform your life. That's his job. You no, know, today all you have to do is say yes. And then every day hereafter you say yes again. So if you're here today and you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer. But I do expect you to participate. And the only way I'm going to ask you to participate is if you're, you're praying this prayer and you're saying, Aaron, I'm saying Yes whether you're saying yes and you've said yes before and you've walked far from god but you're you want to make a return today we call that repentance turning back or maybe you're saying yes for the very first time i'm going to ask you to do something i'm going to ask you to, to lift your hand and say i'm doing that right now go ahead and do it now just lift your hand up say, that's me that's me today i'm saying yes to jesus yeah thank you. you can put your hands down if you're here today and you're praying that prayer know that you're not going to pray alone we're all going to pray with you so everybody Pray out loud, say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. God, thank you for loving me. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, all of heaven is literally having a party over one person who repents and turns to him. Simple Church, can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus?
1: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.